Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Cooper and Carey Have Words. My name is Barry Cooper. I am in Florida, about 4,000 miles away in lovely England. Somerset, to be precise, is my good friend, James Carey. How are you, James? I'm good. Although it's not that precise because Somerset's quite a big county. But we're fookling because we've got a guest. Why don't you tell us about our wonderful guest? Yes, good friend of mine, Jonathan Lehman, who is uh, the editorial director of Nine Marks. He's also an elderly, uh, an elderly. <laughs> He's an elder at Chevrolet Baptist Church. You're, you're, you're older than me, buddy. <laughs> you got me by a year. Mr. 51-year-old. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's an elder at Chevrolet Baptist Church. And we once, if I'm remembering right, Jonathan, we shared a quite small Best Western a room, I think it was in New Jersey somewhere, Ocean City, and a, a broken convenience was involved. But you're still talking to me, so... <laughs> what is it about the British no. and the toilet? But our topic today, um, enough waggling on the tea, is about church membership, church discipline, and all those things that... Oh, man, that's a downer. It was so much better until you got there. <laughs> but I guess before we start about start talking about church membership and discipline, we should probably talk about what what a church is. What is the point of a church? Because I guess things as they are today, people are thinking, is it like joining a gym? Um, is it like joining a, a charitable organization? Is it like joining uh, the Rotarians? Or is it like joining the Freemasons? Um what, what what is it, and how is the how are other organisations good or bad models for what's happening when we join a church or are part of a church? However, we're understanding that. Do you think? So you're right. Okay, oh, that passes for a question, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a cue for me. Great, here we go. Well, let, let, let me let me let me answer at the bottom of the ladder of abstraction, and then let me jump to the top of the ladder of abstraction. Okay, bottom of the ladder of abstraction. You know, you just look at all the old reform confessions. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's 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 a group of Christians, uh, a congregation of believers, who gather for the preaching of the word and the celebration of the sacraments or the ordinances. Right. So, what is a church? That's how. If you're going to look at the Thirty Nine Articles or the Augsburg or the Westminster Confession or you know some Baptist confession, sixteen forty four, sixteen eighty nine. That those are the common elements. You're going to you're going to believers getting together for preaching, and uh, uh, affirming one another through the ordinances. Now, Westminster will also say believers and their children. Um, we can have that conversation, but that's a separate conversation. Okay, so very concretely, that's what a church is. Now, let's jump to the top of the ladder of abstraction, right, and, and get a little more grandiose in our language. The church is where heaven and earth overlap, like they did in the garden, like they did in the tabernacle, like they did in the temple like they do in the person of Jesus, the church is where heaven and earth overlap. You remember Tom and Jerry? Jerry dies. He goes to like top of the escalator. He's up there in the clouds. That's not it. Here, heaven comes down. In the Bible, heaven comes down and overlap in the church. That's one way we could describe it. We could say the church is an outpost or an embassy of Christ's kingdom on earth. When I was in Brussels, Belgium, my passport expired. I went to the U.S. Embassy stepped onto U.S. soil in the U.S. embassy. They gave me a new passport. Where's the kingdom of God on earth? It's in those assemblies. It's in those gatherings. Jesus is represented there. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. Uh, last last kind of 
top of the ladder of abstraction description we could give for the local church is it's the geography of Christ's kingdom. It 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 literally is a physical space when the people of God assemble. You walk in the room, the temperature goes up, you can feel their elbows next to you in the, in the pew or whatever. Um, we we are uh, a nation called to go into all nations, and we don't have a geography in that sense. We don't have a military in that sense, but we are a physical people, and we are made to be visible, like you can see it. Well, in ancient Israel, you could see it through the signs of the covenant and people there, they were in Israel. Where do you see, where are the people of God on earth now? Where is the kingdom of Christ? Where is the holy nation? There, in, in the gatherings, in the assemblies. You can see it. And Jesus, they speak for Jesus. Uh, we baptize into his name. We gather in his name. I am there, he says. So, yeah, that's your more kind of highfalutin language. Yeah, really helpful. Theological yeah. language, what a church yeah. is. You said the word kingdom as well there. Can you just help me understand the difference between the kingdom of God as understood about what mm -hmm. Jesus is to here to bring the kingdom of God? What's the difference? And it sounds like the setup to a joke, but it, it isn't. What's the difference between the kingdom of God and the church? Yeah, I would say the people, the, the, the church is the people of the kingdom. Okay. You know, so if you if you you know you read your biblical theologian types and and you know they'll define the kingdom of God as as the rule of God. That's the the quickest easiest answer. There is a spatial element though, uh, as, you, as you look through the scriptures. So the kingdom of God, but it most crucially is the rule of God, and we are the people of the kingdom. And when we gather together, we are these, as I say, outposts or embassies of that kingdom. And, and we are a not even Thomas Hobbes in Leviathan says the kingdom of Christ is a real, and this is an exact quote, a real, not metaphorical kingdom. That's Thomas Hobbes, you know, several centuries ago. And what? What do you mean a real, not metaphorical kingdom? Well, there, there really is a king. There really is a people of that king. There really is a rule. There really is uh, judgments that are made. And, and so forth. There is a shared identity, a citizenship. We are citizens of heaven. So we are presently a landless kingdom, but once a week, proleptically, hmm. prototypically, shadow-like, it does show up hmm. for an hour and a half or two hours or whatever on a Sunday morning when we're gathered in his name. You really can see it. What do you read, my lord? So then, Jonathan, what do we, what do we do when when people say, "Well, that's that's great, totally with you on that." Why then do you need something like church membership? Surely, if people gather on a Sunday, that should be enough. If they're gathering, particularly if they're maybe gathering in a persecuted context, those guys who are showing up mm -hmm. surely are. You know, we know that they're believers, or we assume they're mostly believers. Why have church membership when we say membership in 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 modern parlance you know we had i thought mm. one of you james maybe you said you know we have you know uh, you know grocery store clubs like costco or sam's club in mine or country clubs mm. in mine or chess clubs in mine we have, we have a very kind of clubby concept of membership in 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 uh in in our contemporary times whereas i would encourage you to start by looking at the biblical images of scripture like family Family membership, treat older men as brothers or older men as fathers, younger 
men as brothers, older women as mothers, and so forth. You know, Paul there in, in first is it first Timothy five. And uh oh, okay, so you can look at family membership, you can look at body, physical body membership, first Corinthians 12, right? The hand cannot say that uh, I I have no need of you. You, you look at temple, bricks in the building, first Peter 2, right? So membership needs to conform to those different biblical images, whatever membership is it's again it's not your local country club it's it's that another another crucial piece of it is let's go back to the kingdom it is citizenship right and you are called to some so when i went to the u.s embassy there in brussels belgium i didn't just show up and say hey let me tell you guys what's what i'm a citizen you need to renew my passport right no i I had to submit to the orders and 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 protocols and so forth of, of the u.s embassy there in in Brussels, there is a submissive element to it. How do they test that? Do they do they make you whistle the theme tune for Mash or uh, the Dick Van Dyke <laughs> Show or uh, you know what I mean? Name name the name the states of the northern border. How do they do that? Well, no, 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 no. This this was in the nineties. So it was it was Seinfeld. Okay, fine. Can you do that? <laughs> they, they wanted to know I could name all the yeah. characters. Yeah, on Seinfeld. Entirely reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of dating myself right there, right? <laughs> So no 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 no. Let's think about let's think about what goes on in scripture then, All right? So uh, you see the church exercising the keys of the kingdom. Well, first the keys are given to Peter, right? And 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 the apostles in Matthew sixteen. And then eighteen, you have this position of putting a person. If he doesn't listen to them, tell it to the church. If he listen to the church, treat him as you would pagan or tax collector. Verse eighteen, uh, and I'm doing this from memory, so I may get the words wrong. For uh, he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So there's this binding, in, in the, and it's a plural you there, y'all. Whatever y'all bind and loose on earth, right? Okay, so the the the, the corporate activity of, of exercising judgment and making a declaration is what the church is doing there uh, and as that final step of church discipline. And then we get verse 20, four, where two or three are gathered, there I am. So they speak for me. It doesn't mean Jesus is there hovering like a mystical fog in the room. There I am. That's not what he means. It doesn't mean Holy Spirit, regeneration. That's true, but that's that's not what that text is about. What does Jesus mean when he says he's there? Well, it means, again, I am their God. They are my people. It means they speak for me. My flag flies there. Okay, so these, these official judgment-like declarations are being made by the church. Well, how does that happen? Well, let's fast forward to chapter 28. All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me, because you have the same invoking of heaven and earth that you do bind and loose in heaven, bind and loose. You go to all nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the name. Well, who has the authority to baptize into the name? Well, presumably it's those who gather in the name with the keys of the kingdom in hand. Uh, baptizing them and then teach them everything I've 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 uh, commanded you, and then uh, and I will be with you always. Well, who with with whom will he be always? Well, presumably the people with whom he is now, or two or three are gathered in my name. There I am, and then that's eighteen and the twenty-eight. I will be with you always. Okay, so you got to read chapter 28 in light of chapter 18. That's what I'm trying to establish textually. That's just very clear, all these links between 18 and 28. And um, so what happens? How does that actually happen in the New Testament? We'll jump to Acts chapter 2. What must we do to be saved? Peter's like, repent and be baptized. And then it says, and and 3,000 were baptized and added to their number that day. Added to what number? Well, the church in Jerusalem. Yeah, were they writing that down on Excel spreadsheets? Was that scroll and parchment? I don't know, but they knew who they were. These three thousand. These three thousand are us, hmm. right? And so then you just keep going through the New Testament epistles to the church in Corinth. Well, who's the church in Corinth? These people, those people. How do we know? 
Well, presumably, it's those who are baptized into the name and who are received as members, and then who take the Lord's Supper together, right? Chapter 10, chapter 11. So the church knows who the church is. That's what membership is. It's our agreement with each other. Oh, you're one of us. We've baptized you. We've received you into the supper. We are the people of God. I got the Jesus name tag. You got the Jesus mm-hmm. jersey. We're the ones who gather in the outpost. So yeah, don't don't give me country club. Give me citizenship. Give me people gathering in his name, receiving the ordinance, agreeing with one another. I'm going to give you one more verse. I've been kind of firehosing you guys here. Sorry. Can I give you one more verse? Please do. Please. Matthew 18, verse 19. And again, I'm doing this from memory. Uh, if any two of you ask, it will be done for them by my Father. If, it, if two of you agree, that's what it says. Two of you agree, uh, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. What's necessary for a church to be a church? It, it requires two people agreeing, right? The white hot center of church authority and churchness is believers agreeing with one another. So let me give you an illustration. You know, the three of us are on a, a cruise ship. It, it sinks. We climb onto the island along with 200 other survivors from this this cruise ship sinking. And uh, one day, James, I see you sitting there on the beach, and you're reading this Bible that's washed up on the shore with our sunken cruise ship. And I'm like, oh, James, yeah, we met on the cruise ship. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and you're reading the Bible. And you say, yeah, I'm a Christian. And I say, oh, that's 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 great. I'm a Christian, too. And you say, oh, okay, so, uh, yeah, I just, I love Jesus, and he's just a great God, and he's he's wonderful. And I say, whoa, 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 James, hold on. I mean, Jesus is a great teacher, but I wouldn't say he's God. And then you say, yeah, I don't really agree with you on that. But then Barry walks up, and Barry's like, uh, Jonathan, I've known for you for years. I, I thought you thought he was God. I'm like, no, no, he's just a great teacher. And then you two start talking, and you realize you agree on who Jesus is. And then, you know, James, you say to Barry, well, listen, uh, I found some grape juice that walked up, washed up on this island as well. Lo and behold, um, uh, what if we were to gather weekly? And we take the supper together, and let's read out of this book and encourage one another, and we can share the gospel with other people who have sunk on this cruise trip, including Jonathan, because he's obviously a nut job. <laughs> okay, at that point, you guys have everything that needs to be a church. You can now gather in his name because you agree on who Jesus is, and you can receive the Lord's Supper. And then let's suppose I repent and believe at that point and trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. Well, then you can baptize me. Right. Because now the three of us agree. We've got plenty of water for that because we're on a desert island. Yeah, no, that's yeah, right. Be no, that's yeah. right. In other words, you don't need this big elaborate bishopric. You don't need a presbytery. You finally don't even necessarily need elders to make a church a church. Right. Though they are part of the right order of a church. And we can get to that if you want. But at this point, you have the two of you on our little desert island agreeing on who Jesus is, affirming one another in that agreement. And then taking the Lord's Supper together, and you are a church. You are members of it. Whether you use that word membership or not, you know, whatever. So the membership isn't the human imposition on this spiritual reality. It's like, no, no, it's all there. We are extrapolating from these very basic principles we find in Scripture and in the habits of the early church and how they're recorded. So, so yeah, Yeah, we're we're not just sort of— And it's throughout throughout Scripture. It's literally— You know, find me a Christian in the Scripture who's not part of some church other than very unique Ethiopian eunuch in the middle of the desert situations. 
Otherwise, yeah, Christians are all part of churches. Looking for a refreshing summer cocktail? Why not try a Cooper and Carey? Simply mix one ounce of middle-aged regret, a squeeze of barely-contained cynicism, and a shot of predestination. But please, enjoy responsibly. I think you probably already answered the question, but we had we had a, a question from Austin, who's one of our lovely patrons. And he said, should people who've been attending a church faithfully and been heavily involved in helping with events for over a decade be considered members by default? He says, my church has a new members class in which seem to be members learn about the history of our church, core values, beliefs, um, and general church history before being accepted into membership. This is the only way someone becomes a member. Meanwhile, a close friend of mine has been attending the church and serving when possible for a decade. Should they still need to take the new members class or should they already just be considered a de facto member? I would say if they've not formally submitted themselves, I don't feel the right to impose membership on them. So I would say that de facto attender, or rather that attender is not a de facto member because they have not submitted themselves to the oversight of the elders or the congregation and its discipline. Mm. So that's another whole element I've not mentioned yet so far. If, if you where's New Testament, where, you know, where's membership in the, in the in the Bible? Well, if I got an elevator ride with you, you know, thirty seconds to show you, I'd, I'd go to Matthew eighteen or First Corinthians five and say, you know, First Corinthians five verse two, let him be removed. Well, removed from what? Or or verse twelve, he says, is it not the? It's not those outside the church whom you're to judge, but those inside the church whom you are to judge. Okay, so that dude who's been coming for 10 years, mm. like, I, 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 in, in a sense, I want to respect him and say, if you've not submitted yourself to the oversight and discipline of this congregation, I'm not, I'm not going to impose that on you. I'm not going to force you. Uh, I might personally warn you, say, hey, listen, you're living with your girlfriend. You shouldn't do that. But I'm, I'm not going to excommunicate you or recommend excommunication, right? Yeah. No, we we would understand as elders we have oversight and the congregation as a whole has oversight and has and can conduct full formal church discipline in those situations where we have agreed, yes, I'm a member, you're a member, we've covenanted together, right? So to that person, so okay, I had a, I had a there, there was a guy who attended our church for for a number of years and he wouldn't join, and so finally one day I, I said to him, we had three or four conversations about this, and this was like the third or fourth one over lunch. I just said, you know. This is not a formal word of excommunication, but I, I would I would encourage you to stop taking the Lord's Supper. And I'm just, I'm just saying that as a, a fellow believer, mm-hmm. I can't force that, obviously. Uh, because you're the captain of your own ship. You're your own portfolio manager. You are unaccountable. How do you know you're not living in complete and total self-deception? Mm-hmm. Uh, say, I don't know about you, but for myself, I know I can be self-deceived, and I need brothers and sisters who... I've kind of submitted my life and discipleship to, and who will correct me from time to time. Man, for me to keep following Jesus, I need that. I and I need to submit to that body. And 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 you know, friend, I'd, I'd encourage you to do the same as mm. I have for several months. And insofar as you're not, I encourage you to stop taking the Lord's Supper. Interestingly, he was a theologically astute individual, and he said, "Well, no, actually, I don't take it. I haven't taken it for years." Mm. And. Um, now, look, look, last comment here. I understand the forms of church membership are going to look different from place to place. 
right? So if you ask the average member of my church, hey, do you guys practice church membership? The average member of my church would probably say something. Yeah, we do church membership interview and membership classes, and we do this interview, and then we get a packet and like, okay, that, that all that stuff's useful. That's but that that can look different from place to place. So I spent I spent a month in Uzbekistan, right, in a in a Muslim neighborhood with a tiny little house church of twenty people. And there's no church building, no church sign, no full-time pastors, no church membership classes, no packet, no none of that, right? But what is there? Well, there, there's all the people getting to know little by little Farhood, and Farhood decides he wants to follow Jesus. And so they spend some time over bowls of pilaf, you know, discussing Jesus and who Jesus is with Farhood. And finally, Farhood one day says, you know, I I, I want to be baptized. I want to follow Jesus and and together with, with you guys as, as his people. And so, again, a few more conversations with Farhood, and finally the, the, the congregation gets together and says, okay, well, listen, hey, Farhood wants to be baptized. What do you guys think? And somebody says, yeah, I've been getting to know him too. He just he seems all in. He seems to understand the gospel. And then somebody says, well, yeah, but he's accounted the cost. And then somebody else says, well, yeah, he does. Uh, he knows that if he becomes a Christian, his father's going to throw him out of the home. So, man, he's facing high stakes. He gets it. But he he seems all in. Shall we baptize? And the kind of room looks at each other and says, yeah, 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 let's do it. And the kind of nodding of heads. There's there's no formal vote, per mm. se, right? But there's a clear consensus they've arrived at. And there's been a series of conversations and making sure he's counted the cost and knows the gospel. And so the church then decides, let's baptize Farhood and bringing him into the, into the church. And, so, and that's what they do. All right? Mm. Now, they, they they don't have a list of members anywhere. But there they are in the middle of that Muslim city. They know who they are. Mm-hmm. There is a clear accountability and knowledge that just the 20 of them, right? And they, they, for security reasons, they don't really want to write all their names down mm-hmm. on a piece of paper. I get that. So there, membership's taking a dramatically different set of forms, but the element is the same. Mm-hmm. By element form, you know, like, couch style of couch you know stove gas stove yeah electric stove but it's still a stove Rob, what's the questions that we get about this and what people are thinking is though it says a lot more about us than it does about the church, which is essentially, we don't want this kind of two-tier people who come and people who are members. We don't want this yeah. kind of division, blah, blah, blah. To which I guess one of my responses, okay, so where would you prefer the division? And how many divisions would you like? Well, we don't want any division. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that ship sailed in Genesis 3. Um, there's going to be division yeah. because we're sinners. Yeah. And so it's really helpful and essential to have the clear teaching of that church as something that you submit to so that you know what you're getting into. Also, so that when you're tithing money, giving money, however you give, you're all clear on what the mission values are of that organization and the fundamentals on which the elders are making decisions, for example. So I was in a parish, a PCC meeting the other day, the Anglican kind of thing, which is which is more complicated than what we're talking about, annoyingly, because that's my that's my one main gripe with my own Anglican uh, denomination is the membership is very muddy and um, uh, unclear. And that's why we've got lots of the problems that we have is because people feel like they're part of the church because they come quite often. But the, the table yeah. is not fenced in any way like the same sort of way that it would be in, right. in other places. And we can talk. Well, you're sort of born into it, aren't well, you? And that's the, that's the, the, the other the factor of the established 
nature of the Church of England itself yeah. is it feels like any English person or anyone in England has the right to to turn up to church and and it's their church in one sense it is and in another sense right, right. It, it isn't because our 39 articles and our ordinals and all that kind of stuff are pretty specific <laughs> um mm-hmm. so but i think there's there's this sense of but surely we want to be welcoming and everyone just feels part of it it's like well okay but then the moment a a new teaching comes or a new thing comes or a decision is made that actually we're going to spend mm-hmm. half of our income now on employing a person to do this kind of ministry. Oh, but I don't agree with that kind of ministry. Um, oh, okay. Well, the elders have made that decision or the PCC have made that decision on the yeah. basis of what we stand for. Well, well, I never agree to any of that. Well, yeah. well, whose fault is that? Because you're not it a gets, member. It gets muddy. Yeah. And so actually it denigrates the value of the church and the sanctity of the church. If we basically say, well, anybody can sort of come in and you, you may have different views on a bunch of things and ethics and draw the lines in different ways. But in a way, it would be better if to say the church draws its line in these ways. And if you disagree with those, well, uh-huh. that's on you. But, but yeah. I just think there is so much pain and so much confusion now because we don't have any clear membership thing because we don't want to have that awkward conversation but it's so much easier to have the awkward conversation at the beginning when comparatively little is at stake rather than the end when the church is ripping itself apart and you must have seen you know in your ministry with the nine marks ministry just churches rip each other apart because there was just no clarity early on is that that fair have you seen those sorts of things yeah, I mean, there, there certainly is a, there's a kindness and clarity that, that people yeah. miss. And you're right. No, I think you need to have the, uh, awkward conversations up front, lest you see, uh, more trouble later. And as Americans, we're very good at awkward conversations. Yeah. I think, uh, many church plants want to kind of hold off defining themselves yeah. until they get some momentum. Right. And that what happens is exactly what you just said, James. They get three, four years in and people got on board and they're excited about, all right, yeah, I love this new church. And then somebody has to make some decisions or draw some clear doctrinal boundaries. And then they say, well, that's not what I signed up for. Wait, 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 Mm. what? And so that's like, for instance, when, when my ministry is talking to church planners, we tell them just Figure out your statement of faith and covenant and constitution or whatever right up front and be clear. It's just kind yeah. uh, for people to do that. The other thing I would say is just, again, recognize the pattern of the Bible from beginning to end. God wants the line between his people, not his people, to be really clear. Garden of Eden, there's an inside and there's an outside. Noah's Ark, there's an inside and there's an outside. The you know the, the people of God in, in, um, in Egypt, in Goshen. And the plagues, flies on the Egyptians, but not flies on my people. God makes the line clear between inside and outside, clear with flies and locusts and so much more. People of God in the wilderness, inside the camp, outside the camp. You know, fast forward now to the New Testament, same thing. Paul in 2 Corinthians 6, come out from them, be separate, touch no unclean thing. Now, is this to be unwelcoming? No, no. Let's be welcoming. I love that impulse of people to be welcoming, mm. friendly, and loving, and all of that stuff. But at the same time, we want there to be a clear, bright line between the people of God and not the people of God, because there's actually evangelistic power in exclusion. Hmm. 
that, that's that's culturally counterintuitive. Yeah. Right. All, all we know is inclusion. No, there's actually th- th- this is one thing the country club gets right. Dare I say, you know, there's a oh, I'm not part of that. What's what's there? I, what's going yeah. on? I, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. So there's a sense in which we say to people, we we shut the door in their face, but we make it a glass door yeah. so they can see through it. Yeah. And we say, we want you to come inside. And this door swings on easy hinges. All you have to do is repent and believe and put your trust in Christ. And oh, man, we want you here. But you, but you got to cross the threshold. You got to come through the door of repentance and faith. Yeah. So it's like I want, I want my cake and I eat and to eat it too, right? I, I, I want, I want to be all that welcoming, friendly, hospitable. Churches must be hospitable. Elders must be hospitable. So, require. What organization do you know of where the CEO is required to be hospitable? <laughs> it is required of church elders. Yeah, they're to be hospitable. One of the qualifications. So. All those impulses of your friends and 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 fellow gatherers who want to be warm and uh, uh, welcoming, let's affirm all of that. Mm. But let's also affirm there needs to be a clear line as as much as we can with our we're not the Holy Spirit, we can't see hearts uh, line between the church and the world. Yeah. It's very good. We had a question from Saz. I think Saz is in Australia, if I remember right. She said, um, how does meaningful church membership positively change how church members relate to each other and to non-members? Can it negatively create an exclusive superior clique within a local church? Um, It's interesting. I've been a part of a few um, different churches in my time, and the ones that played I either didn't have membership as such or did it in an extremely kind of loosey-goosey way. My experience has been that those churches were the ones where the cliques seemed to form more readily precisly because there wasn't a sense of really understanding the gospel, that even if you're in, you are to be the servant of all. And because that that understanding was not there, actually people without that informing them we're actually a lot more cliquey than the than the guys who took membership seriously. But I don't know if that's been your experience, Jonathan, or like what would you say to people who are worried about creating a kind of elite little group within a church? I, yeah, I'd be I'd be curious to hear if you if you if you've seen that, James, too, because honestly, Barry, you said you don't feel like you've seen it. I don't know that I've seen it. Yeah. I mean, I understand theoretically, I understand the point, but... But I I think, again, these are comments from the inside where we're worried about how we look from the outside, to which one wants to say, have you spoke to people on the outside and what they actually want? And actually, people want to leave the world and join the church because the church is great and the world's terrible. Um, And so we're just saying, no, 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 no. It's all fuzzy. It all doesn't matter. There's no membership. I want to join something so that I have brothers and sisters and accountability. And I need this. And, you know, Paul Kingsnorth, Kingsnorth, who is a a former eco-activist, an interesting writer who's sort of rediscovering a whole load of faith stuff. He's joined the uh ukrainian orthodox church or the romanian orthodox church or something and they make it really hard really hard to join and they sort of Mm. they try almost try to stop you from joining um and i think and this will this maybe will relate to an episode we're going to talk about um 
midlife crises. One of the things that I think is the cause of midlife crises is people feel that they don't belong to anything. Because yeah. also what you need as part of being part of something is that it does exclude other people. You can't feel part, you can't feel like on the inside if there is no outside. And yeah. if you want to say to people as an evangelistic message, come home, well, welcome home, come back, come to the house of God, come home. So it's like, well, that's great, but I'm coming out of something else. So our mm -hmm. unwillingness to make distinctions um, is, is a really fundamental failing of humanity generally. We don't like to do it, especially the 21st century. And the Church of England is literally tearing itself apart over these distinctions in terms of uh, relationships that it's going to approve, same-sex relationships or people in same-sex relationships. And we're just going to agree to disagree on this. It's like, how can a house like that stand? I mean, that's just... yeah. Uh, so there is an unwillingness to create these distinctions. Um, and yet that is exactly what we see God doing in Genesis one, he's creating, he's separating this from that. He's separating land from sea. Yeah, he's separating. Right. And we are image yeah. bearers. We should do that, but we don't want to do it. Do we? Right. Right. I mean, I, I think, I think we can all think of situations, at least hypothetically, where that joining that membership, that being a part of people is simply exclusivistic, mm. self-righteous, judgmental. I mean, you know, I read Nathaniel Hawthorne's uh, Scarlet Letter, right? Like, I, I know that that sort of thing has existed. It's not been a part of my experience. I don't think it's probably the more common experience. I appreciate the impulse against self-righteous judgmentalisms. Christians can be self-righteous and judgmental. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you don't join a church to find a society of perfect people by any stretch of the imagination. You, you, you join it as a society of sinners. But the difference between the church and the world, hopefully, among other things, is that they admit they're sinners, hmm. right? So if you don't think you're a sinner, don't join a church. Um, whereas if you know you're a sinner, join a church, and that should characterize us, right? Uh, and the joining, everything you were just saying, hmm. James, is, is about re recognizing I, I need help, right? I need brothers and sisters to help me, a sinner, continue walking in righteousness and putting to death my selfishness and my pride and my lust and my ethnocentrism and whatever else. Mm. I need to put those things to death. And so I'm going to open up my life to other people and try to live in the light instead of living in the dark mm. anonymously Um to being this new creation people. A wonderful verse that is is worth bearing in mind in all of this. And you know, you should have this memorized. First Peter 2:10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Typically, when we think about the gospel as Christians, we think about that second line, right? Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So if, if you ask me to share my testimony, I'd be like, yeah, I was a sinner and I was going off and doing drugs and hanging out with people like Barry mm. and New Jersey, best Western toilets. So yeah. Yeah. toilets. Uh, but then somebody shared the gospel with me and I repented and believed and put my trust in Christ and I was forgiven my sins and I was saved because that's how we tell our testimony, right? But but think about 
that verse again, think about what it parallels there. Once you were not a people, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. So those two lines are in parallel. It moves in the second line from not mercy to mercy, but that's parallel with what? The first line, not a people, now a people. Mm. In other words, part of the gospel, the indicative of the gospel, part of what God does is makes us a people. I am now a part of the new creation people, kingdom of God, as a citizen of heaven, as a member of God's household. That's what trusting in Jesus does. In other words, conversion signs you up for a family photograph. Mom and dad go to the orphanage, they they adopt me, they bring me home, walk me through the front doors, I look around the room and, whoa, I got brothers and sisters now. So that vertical reconciliation between us and God in the gospel brings with it necessarily, inescapably, a horizontal reconciliation, the people of God. And that's that's one of the joys and beauties of Christianity mm-hmm. and uh, is, is that we're invited into this new people. So what is joining a church? What is being a part of a church? It's 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 accepting and owning and living into that. Yeah. Right? It's 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 the social lived dynamic of the gospel. Yeah. And uh, so yes, we can do it wrongly. We can do it sinfully, judgmentally, self-righteously. But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's figure out how to do it right and well. Yeah. Another question here, which I think is a helpful distinction, and as you were speaking there, it it made me draw towards this one, where someone asks, isn't baptism church membership? Well, I'm baptized, and therefore I'm a member of the church. And to what extent, whether you're, you know, uh, pedo or credo Baptist, doesn't doesn't really matter. But I think it's more the question of people confuse being a Christian, being saved, being a member of God's elect, and being a member of an individual church, those are all overlapping things, one would hope, but they are not the same thing. Hence, there's different words for them. But um, So to what extent do we just get kind of muddled? Because we've been talking about people and kingdom, um, you know, the baptized body or, or, or whatever. So, But what we're therefore doing is we're just saying, well, I'm a Christian, so um, I can just turn up to your Baptist church um and i'm a i'm an anglican by the way uh, i hope that's not gonna be a problem and uh cool see you sunday and you're already thinking oh okay um he's gonna want me to baptize his next uh child or whatever and that's just gonna and that's gonna be awkward and actually mm-hmm. you would possibly want to have a conversation with me to go do you know what there's this other church that probably maps onto your own uh, theology better and convictions and that's a conversation that you probably would want to have because otherwise you're just going to have somebody signing up for something that's not quite right. And so there's this great confusion between my own set of theology, my denomination, my, my being a member of Christ's body by baptism, being one of the elect, Mm -hmm. calling myself a Christian, all those sorts of things. And we've again, mushed them all together. Um, But they're not the same, are they? Yeah, well, that's right. The, yeah, I mean, the, the, there's a whole complex of things there, and and we, we need to sort through it. So, on the one hand, I do want to recognize the universal church, yeah. you know, the, the, the Catholic small C church, and I, I want to recognize that you show up into my congregation as, as a baptized believer, that you and I do share a kind of fellowship, yet ordinarily that fellowship should be lived out through the accountability of local congregations. Yeah. Lest you be the captain of your own ship, your own portfolio, lest you live, you know, lest you show up on Judgment Day 
And Jesus says, you know, depart me, I, and depart from me, I never knew you. And you say, Lord, Lord, but didn't I do all of these things in your name? Well, yeah, but you were living in total self-deception, never submitted yourself to anybody. Yeah. So, so yes, the body of Christ is bigger than my local church, bigger than your local church. There is a universal Catholic church that we need to, has a number of ramifications on how we do church, and we can talk about that. But the conversation right now is you still need to join a church. Yeah. I know you're part of the church if you join a church. The relationship, theologically, in case this is helpful to anybody, is the same as the relationship between our positional righteousness in Christ and our progressive righteousness in Christ. Ooh. Okay? So, positional righteousness in Christ, we gain at justification, right? We are declared righteous, not because of anything we've done. We are declared righteous. Now, if you really have been justified— declared righteous. You're positionally in the throne room of heaven, positionally mm. righteous. That's going to look like something. You are going to progressively seek out a life of actual righteousness. So, you know, think of Paul in Romans 6. You know, he says, you know, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. I mean, don't you know you've been baptized and raised together? That doesn't make sense you're living in. And then James is like, okay, you believe good God? Fine. So do the demons and shudder. Right. In other words, your positional righteousness in Christ shows up as a growing progressive righteousness in Christ. It creates it. And and that in turn shows and demonstrates that yes, you are positionally righteousness in Christ. So it's just it's the relationship between faith and works, faith and deeds. We're justified by faith alone. Faith which justifies is never alone. Mm. Okay, so I've just given you a relationship between positional and progressive. Now let me apply that. You're part of the universal church declared in the gospel? Great. Now prove it. Hmm. Show up. Because if you never show up, if you're never at the family dinner table, yeah, I'm not really sure I believe you hmm. that you're part of this family. You're, you're never here. Yeah. You're not living into all the demands of the one another's and submitting. And the, the relationship between the universal church and the local church is precisely the same theological relationship that abides between faith and works. Positional righteousness, progressive righteousness in Christ. And what are what, are, what is baptism and the supper? Well, those are signs of our membership. It's how we do it. It's how we put it on. Here's, here's a wonderful another verse, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 17. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Okay, the center of that sentence is we who are many are one body. That's that's the subject verb, um, you know, uh, predicate. How do we know we are one body? Well, for we all partake of the one bread. And, and the first part is, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. Okay, so what does partaking of the one bread do? Well, partaking of the one bread shows that we are one body. In other words, the church supper is not just my little turbocharged quiet time in a room full of other people. Like, I'm really communing with Jesus right now. I'm going to close my eyes and shut everybody out. No, the Lord's Supper is a church-revealing, church-illumining, church-illustrating, church-showing, church-manifesting meal. Mm. We do it together, yeah. right? It, it shows who the church is. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Okay, in other words, what is the supper? And we could say the same about baptism. It is a sign of church membership. It belongs to church members. Christianity is church-shaped. Yeah. 
and 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 the the baptism and the supper reveal it. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, a whole lot of complex of issues there in in your mm. remarks, James. That's me trying to sort some of that out. <laughs> Bless you for 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 a good sorting. But I guess the common theme amongst all of those overlapping Venn diagram sets uh-huh. is me. And one can't help think that we live in such um, individualistic times. I think the reason we have a hard time with all of these discussions, and we can probably blame Descartes partly with, I think, therefore I am. Uh, We can probably blame Rousseau because I think everything goes back to Rousseau and he's one of the worst human beings that's ever lived. But... um, (laughs) Did you read Truman? Did you read Truman? Yes, book? I did. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, 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 that that didn't help. Um, I, yeah, my, Rousseau's the bad yeah, guy. Yeah, there yeah. For Rousseau sure. is really the worst, and you know. Um, but because we are so atomized in our own world, and therefore the the Christian is thinking, no, no, no. When I go to Holy Communion, and this is what people again think wrongly in the Anglican Church often, is communion is my communion with God. So uh-huh. I'm going to turn up to the Sunday service, which is having communion this week so that I can take the Uh bread and drink the wine. And then it's me and God. It's like, Oh no. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But it's like, I think you've got the communion going on the wrong axis. The the communion Mm -hmm. is to some extent vertical, but it is probably more hot. We're declaring the Lord's death until he comes. Absolutely. vertical. But the fact is, it is also horizontal, horizontal. We share in one bread. Yes. Um, and so right. it's not a private service, and yet that is an overwhelming, overwhelmingly common view um, in all this stuff. No, that's exactly right. So you get the theology there in chapter ten, and then you just turn you know turn the page to chapter eleven, yeah. and what you have is you have the rich people showing up getting drunk, and so Paul says. Uh, for in the first place, verse 18 of chapter 11, when you come together mm-hmm. as a church, I hear there's divisions, and I believe it in part there must be faction, but when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. They think they mm-hmm. are, but but, but for, for an eating, each one goes ahead with his own yeah. meal, one goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? <sighs> Don't you have houses to eat and drink? So if you're hungry, do it at home, <laughs> right? And so then he, he explains the supper again, for I received from the Lord what I delivered to you, and then he, then he explains it, and then he offers these warnings down in verse 27, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup, for if anyone eats or drinks without discerning the body, what body? Well, not the resurrected and sitting in heaven body of Christ, what body? Discern the body. Well, the church. Mm. For we are one body, we just saw back in chapter 10. Yeah. That's so when you take the cup, you are doing it, as you just said, horizontally, discerning the body, making sure my relationships with these people are are, are in a good place. And I'm not just showing up selfishly, mm. eating and drinking to my heart's content. And then if you want to make this all really Paul, what's what's the practical takeaway here? Hey, let me be brass tacks, rubber meets the road, practical. Mm. Verse 33, so then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Hmm. There it is. This is something you do together, so wait for one another. This is who the body of Christ is on earth. We're declaring his death. We're declaring our membership as one body. There's a vertical. There's a horizontal. This is a corporate Hmm. thing, right? Let's not lose that. Hello. I am your Cooper and Terry virtual assistant. And I guess what what we might be saying to listeners to this is, I think we're of one mind on this, we would sort of say, 
join your church? And if you can't, why why not? Is it you or is it the church or what's going on? Yeah. And hopefully we've given you a few f- bits of uh, food for thought in terms of wh- why don't you want to? Is there no membership of the church? How does it work? Um, say, I don't know how you join an Anglican church because you're on the electoral roll, I suppose. Yeah, right. Um, uh, but that's yeah. a very unsatisfactory way of doing it. And But but let's not get into the uh, pros and cons of, of the Anglican denomination. But what I can say is that uh, the people at Nine Marks produce loads of resources on this, for which uh, Jonathan himself is responsible for a number as well. And uh, he has written things like uh, is it loving to practice church discipline, uh, published by Crossway, and things like that. And I gather there's a book called Authority, How Godly Rule Protects the Vulnerable, Strengthens Communities, and Promotes Human Flourishing, which is coming in 2023 or is, is out? That's coming, Lord, Lord willing, in September. Yeah. Okay. Well, we might have a little chat about that over on the Patreons and with our Cooper and Carey Plus members, but um, I think we're going to um, leave this one here. Is that all right with you, Barry? Sounds great. It's been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Yeah, I hope it was helpful. Thanks very much. If you want to join us on Patreon, then Google Cooper and Carey Patreon somehow. You'll find it. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can go to Apple Podcast Plus and hit a button, and it's all very easy. So, so do that, and you can be part of the conversation over there. Otherwise, we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks' time. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Have words.